People's Poetry Podcast with me, Jimmy Bowman. Hello and welcome to another episode of People's Poetry Podcast, Series 3, Episode 2. Thank you ever so much for joining me. This is the poetry podcast that follows me, Jimmy Bowman, an aspiring poet and teacher alike, as I travel the UK talking to established poets, as well as poets who have just taken their first steps into the world of poetry, as I try to find out why it is we have just such a love affair with poetry in this country. This is a podcast aimed not just at those who already like poetry, but those who've never really considered it before. I want to show you that there's something in the world of poetry written for you. This episode's featured poet is the very talented, the very wonderful Beth Calverley, the brains behind the poetry machine. I went up to Bristol and was welcomed into her home and we had a lovely conversation about what the poetry machine is, what it does. Poetry is a force for good and promoting wellness. The magic of typewriters, both big typewriter fans. The poetry collective she is part of, Milk Poetry. The idea of instant poetry and the Prince's Trust. Lots of great advice, lots of wonderful, wonderful ideas came from this conversation as well. I hope you enjoy it. It's my great pleasure to be sat here with Beth Calverley uh, in your house. This is the second time I've been in a poet's house. Thank you for coming to chat to me. What was the first time you've been in a poet's house? Bobby Parker took oh, wow. me to his house, but normally it's a pub. It's unusual, I was saying to you before this, for me to talk to a poet who hasn't necessarily got a collection to promote, so I'm excited about this, but you are the brains behind the poetry machine. For anyone listening that hasn't heard of the poetry machine, could you sort of give a brief overview of what, what that is, what that entails? Yeah, so um, it's like a poetry on demand project. Um, I have a poetry machine, which is... Um, I don't know if you've seen Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Uh, yeah, so uh, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang is like a, f- uh, a series of films based on a book, I think. Oh, um, right, yeah, 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 the film, and, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, so um, the artist who designed the machines uh, that are in that, the sort of inven- marvellous inventions, um, is Roland Emmett. So the aesthetic of the machine is um, based on those that kind of like whimsical style. Um, and it's like a, a wheel-along um, wooden sort of... Uh, kind of like a theatrical piece of furniture like yeah. a, like a wheel along s- stage um and i and it has like a yellow umbrella and um a bubble engine and a um like a flagpole mm-hmm. and a, t- a sort of beautiful vintage manual typewriter um and i sort of take that all around the country to various different places so like um you know schools universities um i do a lot of work in hospitals and um, talk to people individually and it's like a co-creation process. So Mm. I speak to them and write something with them in the moment um, using their uh, thoughts, memories, uh, words, and then sort of perform it back to them and give it to them, which has been typed out on the typewriter so they can actually keep it forever so it's tangible. Um, And that's the process, really. It's amazing. It's um. You know, I called I called this podcast People's Poetry Podcast because for, for two reasons really. I wanted to sort of promote the idea that poetry was for everyone, and it's not this elitist sort of thing you have to learn at school, and um, and also because you know I wanted to get as many people into it as possible. Um, so you're probably the best person to speak to, as you mm-hmm. said. You've got that sort of first hand. Um, you, you're making it live in front of them. These bespoke poems. 
I read that you see you've been writing for sort of seventeen years. So let's let's sort of start at the beginning, as it were. What was your calling to not the poetry machine, but poetry in general? Why did why was it you started writing poetry originally? Oh, um, <laughs> sorry, there was like a quite loud uh, sound in the <laughs> background there, which I think might have been a firework or something. Um, but yeah, um, so why I started writing poetry, um, I. I've just always done it. So when I was younger, I used to just write, I used to say to people, you know, members of my family and stuff, like, um, give me something to write about, give me a topic. Um, so I've always kind of done poetry machine in a way. Mm. Um, and then I'd go off, you know, I'd be seven years old and I'd be like going off into a corner and like writing a poem. Then I'd come back and be like, right, I've done that one. Give me another topic. Um, so I've always really enjoyed writing on commission, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know, I just, there's something there's a real escapism about poetry and you can go into your own something about going into your own world I found very similar to reading um like I always I grew up in the country so we didn't have very good wi-fi or anything yeah um so mostly you just catch me with you know curled up with a book or something in my room um so yeah for me like reading and writing poetry was like really interlinked um and yeah I guess it was just something I could do that was just me and I just felt like it was my own thing that I could do um I suppose it's a bit more personal poetry than a massive novel isn't it It, yeah it's it's a lot more instant in a way it felt like um with poetry there wasn't even though there are a lot of rules um when you actually start studying it um like it felt like at the time you know there wasn't as many rules with poetry you could just do it and whatever you wrote down was right mm. and that's very much something that like a philosophy that I've taken through um into the poetry machine you know the whole first thought best thought idea like I truly believe that anyone is a poet everyone is a poet um mm. and just normal things that people say is poetry yeah because poetry is the everyday and I think that's what I love about poetry so how did the poetry machine sort of start then? I mean, you said you sort of were always doing it, but when when did you think, right, I've got this idea, I'm going to go with that? Um, well, um, at university, I went to uni in Leeds mm-hmm. and um, I was uh, president of the Spoken Word Society um, on my final year there and we were asked to do a pop-up poetry thing and I had a typewriter, so I thought, well, let's let's do instant poetry for people um, at university and see how that goes. And actually, I think probably because it has a university route, um, it's why it appeals so much to universities. Like I love working with universities and um, actually a lot of people, a lot of university students or people of that age um, is where, you know, you might get a lot of homesickness and anxiety and, um, a lot of like mental health conditions will lots of different emerge. canvases for yeah, yeah exactly poetry. will emerge at that time um so a lot of people and and what poetry can do is to really give people like a um like a mirror or like an anchor a feeling of being recognized and understood mm. which is something that everyone really needs um and so even though yeah it started in a university setting it kind of the more I did it in different places the more I realized I think because it's a simple process it can be really flexible and apply to lots of different settings and everyone really. Yeah. I ask a lot of the poets on, on here about about university because obviously as a teacher 
I've lots of students ask me, should they be going to university? Especially when they want to do something creative. See, I've, mm. I've heard stories where it's been the making of people. I've heard stories where said, mm, I won't really bother. Yeah. How did university help you as, you know, a, a poet and someone doing something creative? Mm. Um, so I did English and I would say that the actual degree, although it's an amazing course, the actual degree didn't really, like I've never, you know, I've never been like doing poetry in, you know, the hospital and someone said, oh, well, I'm only going to do this with you if you've got a degree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's never happened. Um, so from that point of view, I wouldn't say that it's helpful. Um, and to be honest, that's an argument of just, if you know what you want to do and you've got a passion for it, just do it. Like, mm. you know, if you, yeah, um, the earlier you can carve out a path, the better. Yeah. Um, but um, having said that, one really amazing thing about uni was um, in Leeds, they had loads of additional support stuff. Um, and that I found that incredibly important at that time of my life. And to be given like the trust to set up a society about something that you really care about really validates that. Where mm. um, earlier, you know, I don't know, sometimes earlier in life, you might not think people might think oh that's really cool that you do poetry but that's like a hobby that you do that's never going to be something that you can really take forward yeah um and i'd say that in a way that's and i think you can get that from lots of different areas and lots of different places um and people sort of you know mentoring you or helping you um and university happened to be a place where i was able to set up a spoken word society with my friends yeah. and that turned out to be a real springboard for this um but i don't feel by any means that that was the only way that that could be got you know everyone uh, has their own way that they can uh, yeah. find and carve out their journey i think it was the same for me it was not necessarily the degree i did it was mm. the opportunities that yeah. sprung up around just being there yeah um, exactly yeah. yeah so you've got this this typewriter i'm obsessed with typewriters i've oh, got wow. i've got two typewriters i've got an old 1930s typewriter that probably needs a good clean mm. and i hardly use and this trashy one from the 80s but what is it about typewriters that you you love so much and what is it you feel they bring to mm. creating these poems live for people as it were okay yeah so um it's it might be seen as a bit hipster but um actually i think there is a real there's a real reason why i use a typewriter so um firstly if i was to use a laptop and a printer i think that would really spoil the moment you know often you're going to be in a festival um or somewhere where you can't just connect to the Wi-Fi, for example. So being able to send something to a printer might not work unless you had a cable and then things can get, tech can always go wrong, whereas typewriters are indestructible. Yeah. Um, the fact that they have lasted so long and can still be used perfectly is a testament to the fact that they are mm. <laughs> unbreakable and they will um, last so long and... Um, the typewriter ribbon itself lasts for a long time as well. So, you know, I wouldn't necessarily... I'd have a lot more overheads of my business if I had to keep buying printer ink all the time. Yeah. Whereas typewriter ribbon is um, really affordable for me. And um, so that's just the practical stuff. As for the actual how it contributes to the experience, um, because the typewriter is the sound it makes, um, I do a lot of work in hospitals where there are um, patients who are um, older patients. Yeah. And so when they listen to the sound of the typewriter, because initially I was like, you know, is it going to be really distracting for them? It's quite loud. Um, and actually found that people were really relaxed by the sound or sometimes it would start a conversation about um, a lot of the patients I work with used to work with typewriters and um, they remember their colleagues. Memories, yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, and so that 
that in itself was a really unexpected um, outcome of using the typewriter. Um, but you know, even in schools, you know, kids are like, "Wow, what's this? I've only ever seen this on. Um, I've only ever seen this in a movie. This is amazing." Yeah. And, um, you know, they want to they want to touch it. They want to have a go. They want to look under the I don't know what it's called, but I call it the bonnet um, <laughs> and look at the you know the t- all the hammer hammers and how they yeah. work. Um, so uh, you know, right from you know, really, really tiny children to um, people at the end of their lives. Everyone kind of has this fascination with this kind of str- bizarre but really cool object. Yeah. Um, so that's why I use a typewriter. And I love the fact that you, you do use that typewriter, sort of an archaic way of writing. But I suppose doing what you do, you have to rely quite a lot on social media as well, um, which, again, is a, it's a bit of a contentious issue with, with certain poets. Certain poets absolutely hate it certain poets think it's essential where do you stand on sort of social media because I know you do uh, a lot of video campaigns as well don't you uh yeah so I haven't really thought about how I feel about social media Mm. um certainly I only use it from a business perspective I don't actually use it for personal reasons other than messenger so I see messenger as kind of um, a way of having everyone's numbers on your phone mm-hmm. I suppose um, but in terms of actually post I never really post personal stuff on my on my um, social media it's always about it's always related in some way to poetry so even if it's like a personal thing like I'll talk quite a lot about um, like uh, you know self-care messages and um, stuff like that if I do that I will usually um write a little poem to go with it or something like that so it always links back in some way to to um to what I'm doing yeah um and I have found that it has been really helpful like um having free advertising when you're first starting a creative business is really I've personally found it really really helpful and I have had quite a lot of inquiries of actual you know work opportunities that have come directly through people messaging me on Instagram or um, through fa- through Facebook. Um, I find Twitter really hard to use because it kind of feels like shouting into the void. Um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but yeah, so I think to summarise, it can sometimes feel like a bit of a chore. I had some amazing social media training um, from Josie Alford, who runs these social media um, workshops for, she calls it social media workshops for poets and badasses. Um, and that was really good because it helped me to think about poet, uh, social media in like a fun way, yeah, like yeah. a creative process. Um, yeah, so I think to summarise, I would say that I have found it really useful, but it is important to limit myself and mm. not to get too sucked in. And also recently, a thing I've been trying to do is to post when things don't go well. So for, in- for instance, this week I've had a couple of rejections for things um, and I will probably now do a post about the fact that that's happened but I've also had a couple of really positive things that have happened and I think not just posting about positive things yeah, but having also, that balance. But yeah exactly and I've been seeing a little bit more of that recently amongst the poetry community of people posting when things haven't gone so well yeah and I think that is so important for us to be doing because otherwise although it can be um it's kind of a bit of self-protection in a way you know posting only positive things but actually that can be damaging for others and I think being mindful of that is really important yeah 100 percent. I like that shouting into a void for for Twitter that's good um so I suppose you know as I've said already this podcast was started to sort of promote poetry as a uh a, a, a force for good almost and I see on your sort of website you talk about promoting wellness how do you think poetry does this 
how how is poetry something that does promote wellness so um i think through the poetry machine if i just start by speaking about yeah, that yeah. um so through the poetry machine the whole idea of it is about um having a conversation together and then creating something out of that moment mm. and that in itself the feeling of being listened to in a world where people are often quite dismissive of each other I think these days and that I think does link to social media but it also just links to a lot of the other huge big issues that are going on where people feel like they're quite small I think now um and so just having a real conversation with someone and not being talked over just being listened to yeah and creating something really positive together that is a reminder of that experience is you know people say you know this is really uplifting um you know i feel much more relaxed than i have done for a really long time so i think that's what it is it's not just the poetry it's everything that we do around that so all the conversations that we have around poetry and um all the all the sharing and the listening that we do i think just the poetry in itself doesn't necessarily always promote wellness but it's everything around that that can do that um and also there's something about poetry where um because it's so concise and the whole idea of it is to kind of capture something um that almost is difficult to capture yeah i think sometimes when you when you see a poem whether or not it's written you know obviously if it's written about you then this is definitely going to happen but even if not and you recognize yourself in the poem that acknowledgement that someone else understands you yeah that is what i think makes can promote wellness is um when poetry helps others to feel understood so your poetry machine goes to festivals you do workshops weddings but one of the arenas if you like that caught my attention is your you do work with the nhs don't you and you mm. go into hospitals as you mentioned that must be incredibly rewarding how how did that start so um yeah i was performing um at an event and someone came up to me and he works in uh, my local nhs trust and he said i think really think that you should be doing some poetry workshops with our teenage cancer trust um center in the hospital so I went along and uh, started doing some sessions with them and that was really awesome to be working with other young people yeah. uh, like myself um, and creating stuff together and uh, that was really lovely. And then through that I was introduced to the arts director at the Trust who um, said Let, this is amazing, let's do some pilots um, at a local hospital which is part of the Trust and it's really gone from there. You know, um, I think it's one of those things where the more you do it and the more people, you know, people themselves say, this is a really amazing, when are you coming back? And then the more their carers or, um, yeah, family members say, this is really, mm. you know, I'm really surprised by the way this person has reacted to this um, in a really good way. Um, yeah, the more that more people want to engage with it. So, um, yeah, it's been really rewarding. I kind of feel like, um, you know, we were talking earlier about how you found your calling. Um, I feel like the poetry in the hospitals is my calling Amazing. and um, although I do the other stuff which I really love as well mm. um, this is my this is what I love doing so much the the work with patients and um, and carers the power of poetry there and I've seen you've got uh, videos with BBC Bristol as well how I suppose how important has Bristol been in 
almost nurturing you as a poet. I feel like when I go to these different places in the UK, people, especially the poets I talk to, always speak so fondly of their environment and their surroundings. So mm. has, has Bristol been a massive part of your sort of writing journey? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, Bristol. I'm so lucky to be in Bristol um, because... Uh, and I think, but yeah, you're probably right. Like everyone will say this about their mm. own home hometown, but um, I I feel like it's a real place of poetry. Um, there's loads of nights here, poetry nights. Um, so I mean, I'm just part of Milk Poetry. I was um, talk to you about that, yeah, yeah. which is uh, absolutely amazing, really nurturing. I mean, that's our entire ethos is around being nurturing. Um, but there's also, you know, Raise the Bar and Tonic and loads of other amazing nights. So, um, yeah, I feel really lucky because when you've got a community around you all uh, experiencing the same sort of positives and negatives about being in poetry, you've got a real, there's a real um, sort of resource to mine there where you can, like, find wisdom from other people and learn from them and share your own wisdom yeah. and um, just learn from each other. So I think it is really important to be in a, you know, in a place where, um, you know, where y there is that community around you. And I guess if you if that doesn't exist, then it's, I guess it's about sort of starting that and um, create helping to create that community, like kind of like we did in Leeds uh, University. So when you're at some of these events, is uh, I'm thinking particularly of weddings, there must be quite a lot of pressure on you as you know you are doing this this poem, you're creating this live, uh, and there's lots of sort of people and schools of thought go, oh, poetry is something that takes time. How how do you deal with that pressure? Because that's you know that's someone's big day, and your weddings are very important, and you're contributing to that. Does the pressure take its toll? How do you deal with that? Um. Well, I think it's the pressure. I, I wouldn't define it as pressure. It's sort of excitement. It's like you're in the moment with someone. Mm -hmm. And I guess it's it's nerve-wracking beforehand, you know, when I'm going up to an event and I'm thinking, you know, this is a really important event. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when I'm setting up the machine and stuff, I'm kind of processing those sorts of nerves. Um, but then when it actually comes to it, when the person is sitting in front of me and we're having that conversation and we're locked into that moment, that's all that matters. Mm. And I don't feel nervous. I don't feel anything apart from can totally connected and absorbed in the moment with that other person. Um, I think that's the reason I can do it is because if I felt nervous or it's a total sort of um, removal of self. Yeah. It's it, It's like, okay, everything that, I feel is sort of sl slightly removed and then it's really about that other person and creating a space for that other person and so I could be really nervous beforehand and then just be to just totally goes away as soon as I'm in that moment with the person um, and I think that's the reason that it works is because the poetry is spontaneous and it is in the moment and it's just truthful yeah um so you know, people will say, how did you know that you've written here that I was wearing like red trousers on this particular day? How did you know that? Because I didn't tell you that. <laughs> and it's because like, we're so locked into that moment that there's probably co communication going on that I have absolutely no idea yeah. what's happening. So um, how how long do you have to be talking to someone before you, you get a real feel for what you're going to yeah, write? Yeah, it varies. Sometimes someone will sit down and you probably met these people, these kind of people people will kind of sit, sit down with you and you'll think, well, I almost know everything about them, like <laughs> um, that they're projecting anyway. I'm sure there are little hidden corners of them that you don't know about, but um, there are those people who are so open yeah. um, and you can 
almost start writing the poem straight away but then there will also be people that you that will sit down and they are a lot more closed off um you know in their body language or their answers you know might be kind of one word answers um so that will take a lot longer and it's a gentle unfolding Mm. and um, you have to be really sensitive to how much people want to uh, unfold and um yeah really listen to them not just what they're saying but also what they're doing this whole experience sounds amazing like as a writer you must be so to be exposed to so many different walks of life and different types of people that 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 must have a massive impact on your own your own writing yeah i think it has definitely made me a better person because i think the more i think the more conversations you get to have with people the more you can empathize mm. i mean that's why poetry exists that's why art exists really is to help people to empathize with others so if you can have these conversations again and again with hundreds and hundreds of people all from different walks of life then you're going to be able to empathize with more people i think so i definitely encourages i'm definitely that person who um will speak to someone like in a key for a shower at a festival or you know on a bus yeah, or yeah, something yeah. um and you know i think that's a that can be a positive thing mm. um but what was your original question? Because I've gone on, on a tangent. <laughs> no, I was, I was saying it, it, it's such a, an amazing experience as a writer. It must have surely affected your, your I'll call it your own writing. I know mm. it's your own writing with a poetry machine, mm. but writing other yeah. than the poetry machine. So actually that is an inter- interesting question because um, I don't own the stories of other people. Mm. Um, so the poems that I write with people is their poetry and I don't keep copies. Yeah. Um unless they sort of ask me to keep copies and share it, I would never do that. Um, So I have to be really careful about the way that I don't accidentally write about someone else. Yeah. Um, And, you know, obviously you can be inspired by people's stories without um, exploiting their story and and using it for your own purposes. Yeah. Um, By sort of changing really important details and... um, you know maybe taking some elements of what someone's um someone's how someone's reacted to something uh and putting that into a totally different character or something like that yeah, if yeah. you get me um so like flavors of a person or their story without actually you know yeah telling you their want, story you want yeah, exactly. it, it? Yeah. yeah so um actually in a way although it has um impacted my writing in the sense you know that empathy uh is a muscle and the more you exercise it stronger it becomes um it it is also i do have to be very careful to balance that as well yeah yeah out of all the 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 moments you've had i mean it sounds like the hospital stuff is is probably the stuff you remember the most but has has there been a particular moment that's that's really stood out whilst doing the poetry machine um well the one that comes to mind i think partly because i've been um doing some uh sort of memory day training today mm-hmm. um to become a dementia friend um there was one moment in the hospital where uh one gentleman um we were talking and um it was quite a um sort of sp- sporadic uh conversation so we were changing subjects quite frequently yeah um and then suddenly he just told me about this incredible memory um from his childhood and it was it, i'm not going to tell you what it was cause yeah, obviously yeah, yeah. for reasons we've just gone yeah. over um but it was just so so clear 
it was just so I could I was there with him mm-hmm. I was there I was doing what he was doing and um the sense of freedom that came out of that moment and you know we wrote a poem together about that moment and he then had that there and he could um read it to he was reading it to the nurses and you know he might have read it to his you know relatives later I don't yeah. know what happened then um but just that moment for me like really stood out because it was so clear almost as if the conversation you were having unlocked that for mm. him yeah the wow. conversation and then you know through the poetry you can then Im- immortalize mm. that moment that's amazing and you're doing this full time now which is amazing so I mean that surely shows that that you know people want poetry and that poetry is for all and it's not this elitist thing anymore the fact that you're able to do that full time would you would you agree with that um yeah i mean i am uh in a very privileged privileged position but i would say that um there are lots of other people that i know who have uh, gone on to do freelance work and like they're absolutely amazing and um i absolutely encourage everyone to do it um if you feel that you can do it um because I think working for myself has been the best experience really of my life and especially doing something that you just that in some way helps other people yeah um as well as doing something that you love um it's just I mean in terms of my own well-being like I'm so much happier and my mental health is so much better now that I'm doing it um, so I'd really encourage people to do it absolutely and um, there are lots of organisations that can help so for example I um, I got into contact with the Prince's Trust because mm-hmm. um, I'm like I think they work up to like 30 or something like that um, and they put me on this like enterprise course so they taught me all this stuff I didn't know about um, you know like tax and accounts and yeah. all the stuff that's actually really hard to do um, and you know marketing and all that kind of stuff and they were that was absolutely amazing and they really support me so like um I'm about to do my first tax return uh to to submit that for last year and um they're giving me free mentoring um of an accountant to actually go through the tax return with me which is just like the most like valuable things I wouldn't be able to sort yeah. of afford an accountant and you know free legal advice and stuff like that because I just wouldn't be in a position to be able to afford that so um the prince's trust is an amazing organization um but also you know like there's apples and snakes who help support spoken word artists and um lots of other organizations so yeah i'd say the first thing to do would be to look up organizations who can support you uh, and help you to sort of like um in those really difficult first months yeah so you as a poet um doing some digging about uh, on the internet i found your brilliant poem tiger that came to tea um you performed at the Roundhouse. Uh, you've you was it a podcast for National Poetry Day as well? Um, do you find you write a lot because obviously your job is writing? Does it does it make you not reluctant? Reluctance is probably the wrong word, but it, does it seem more of an effort to then come home and work on your own stuff because you're writing all day, or it, does it empower you to write your own stuff? So you still get those. So I find, I don't know about other people, other poets, but I personally find that um, I have these like moments of urgency where I must write mm. about this. It's, it's sudden, it's it's like a sudden clarity of, I must write about this thing. I know how exactly how it's going to go. It's almost like I ha- 
it's not even me writing it. It's like it's one of the else. only reasons I like mobile phones because yeah. I, I yeah, do that all the, notes, the time. Yeah. Whack the notes out. Yeah. yeah, it's like this is what I've got to write. But um, those things I don't think can be forced, and I think there is a definite feeling of like you're kind of waiting for that to happen. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess event you know prompts um you know there's this night called tonic which is like a prompt night and audiences write the prompts and then um you have to respond to them and i've written some of my best poems through doing that so just almost a poetry machine in a way where you're kind of given the prompt and you're given a deadline and you have to do it and yeah um i would say that doing poetry is my day job and writing for other people so much it is important to give myself space and almost permission to do that myself um but also i'm bringing out a collection next year and that deadline has also been really uh motivating and inspiring mm. for me because i have a theme and a purpose and a, t- and a deadline as well look forward to that so milk poetry i was going to ask you about that so you're one out of four that started th- what is milk poetry um for anyone yeah, doesn't know yeah so it is um started by malaika kagodi you know Malika. Uh, if you don't then um she's another amazing person who you should definitely um talk to. I will um, she's you. a phenomenal poet and um she founded Milk Poetry I think about five years we're just coming up to our f- fifth birthday. That's cool. Um and the whole idea is to create a platform where, you know, new up and coming uh, poets um can sort of perform shoulder to shoulder with like um international poets and poets yeah. from all over the country. Um and we do a monthly slam, um, which is an audience voted slam, and it's a really friendly one. So yeah. um, no one gets really like penalised that much for going over three minutes, um, and it's a really supportive environment. The whole idea is that it's a really nurturing, supportive environment, and you do really feel that. Like when I went to Milk as an audience member before c- becoming part of the team, that's one of the reasons that I absolutely well, that's why I really wanted to join the team was yeah. because you feel that space and i think that's a really amazing thing that malika has done is creating that um thing that people want to be part of and um we also do these kind of like we try to experiment with nights as well and sort of do different things like different themed nights or um like for instance we do one which um i host called strong bones and that is all about the poets different poets journeys through uh through poetry so whether you okay. got um so for instance we had the last one um a couple of weeks ago and we had um various different poets all who'd started getting in, into poetry for various different reasons whether it was a um sort of uh, a, a really life-changing event mm. or um through sort of their mental health um condition or um just through just you know later in life just came across it and stumbled across it and just loved it so everyone gets into poetry in a different way yeah and it's about celebrating that and um so people have to read something old um something borrowed so a cover of work that's inspired them uh, and something new and sort of talk about that journey that's and cool so idea. we so we do things like that basically and we also do something called um uh, warm milk which is all about quiet voices in poetry because as a slam night we have to be careful that obviously in slams you know often it will be the the louder voices mm-hmm. and um and sort of more confident performance styles that will sometimes get the points um but I'm certainly that's not my performance style and um I think there's a lot of other poets who are very um successful embodied performers um so it's that night is about giving them a space so it's really yeah we try to um 
sort of innovate different ideas of uh, poetry nights as well. Yeah, it sounds wicked. Slams, slams one that uh, lots of people have different views on. We're, I'm talking to um, Pete the Temp mm. tomorrow, actually. Oh, amazing. Um, and he's written uh, the Stage Invasion, the spoken yeah. word. He talks a lot about slam. Do you think slam is quite an important thing that, that poetry nights should be doing? Um, to help raise the profile, I guess, of poetry. Because some people find them, as you said, a bit a bit, a bit loud and a bit aggressive. But I kind of like the way Milk Poetry has countered that with all these other nights. Is Should they be taking leaves out of your book? <laughs> um, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that people should uh, copy what we're doing. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. But what I mean is that, um, yeah, like people are welcome to do that and, um, you know, to, to, uh, to do that. But... Um, everyone every sort of community and every night is a completely uh, different different has a different ethos and um, I would I think that's really important in the spoken word world mm. um, to have every night have their own like um, identity and do things in their own way and um, and to share from that and to um, to collaborate and I think it's just such a beautiful world to be in um, but like you know slam everyone has their own view on it I just think it's a different it's just a it's a genre of spoken word like in in the same way that um you know i don't know you've got the sonnet or you've got um yeah, yeah, yeah. you've got different types of poetry and um, i don't forms, think yeah. i wouldn't discredit slam by saying that it it's, doesn't have a place because it definitely does and it gets a lot of people into poetry and it keeps a lot of people in poetry and it's an amazing form in its own right um but also there are other forms of spoken word and it's important that those don't get lost um in the kind of wave of slam what's the scene like in bristol for for poetry and spoken word yeah um other than milk is there is there, yeah, do you get well, a lot of people turn up to the night so there are yeah, there lots of other various um, nights yeah it's really great and also because um it's sort of going from like back rooms in pubs to more mainstream theaters so right. we um we've just moved to the wardrobe theater which is this really wonderful theater in um old market in bristol and that's a really um, obviously nerve-wracking move when you yeah. move from a smaller venue to a bigger one and it's been amazing that um, audiences have been full the whole time and it actually gives you a new audience as well because you know people that live around different ven venues will come to it and um, and you know people that meet some people don't want to go to pubs and stuff like that so um, that's really good um, and Raise the Bar is at the Arnolfini which is a really big theatre in Bristol so that's really good that we can that poetry nights in Bristol can fill out these quite big yeah. venues. Um, and I see that happening, you know, all over the country, you know, Birmingham, you've got nights in bigger venues and, um, you know, obviously London, but like all over you have these poetry nights that are selling out huge venues, which is just so exciting because um, really not so long ago, it was only in back, mm, back yeah. rooms of pubs and stuff, which is an amazing place for poetry to be as well. Um, yeah. It's just great that it fills out whatever space that it, it's in. Oh, it leads me on nicely to a question that I'm asking everybody that comes on this uh, podcast is why do you think it is that people are turning to poetry in the modern day? Because we, we've had uh, quite a large spike in the sales of poetry books and things like that in recent years. And as you've just said, nights are moving out of you know back rooms of pubs and we're now in theatres and stuff why do you think that is why why do people turn to poetry in, in times of need perhaps or in general I think it kind of links to what I was saying earlier where it's about being feeling acknowledged 
and that sense of resonance mm. with others. Um, I think the more we cut ourselves off from others or the more we are cut off from others um, to external forces, the um, the more disempowered we become. And poetry is a force that can bring people together. And so therefore it's a very powerful force. It's a good answer. It's a good answer. Um, right, the last couple of questions I always ask as I'm traveling about, are there any poets from Bristol? And uh, there's a horrible question because you're put on the spot and there's probably loads. You'd be like, oh, I didn't mention them. But are there any poets, perhaps if you're not from Bristol, we wouldn't have heard of that we should have? And then plug yourself. Where can people find your work, find out about the poetry machine on the web? Um, okay, I'm just going to say <laughs> about um, the people that are part of Milk Poetry with me because okay. uh, then I can't um, offend or upset anyone. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, the other um, people in Milk Poetry is obviously Malika Kagodi, who d- people should definitely know, uh, Tom Denby, who's just brought out his or is about to bring out his first collection, uh, which looks absolutely amazing. And... Um, so Sam Grudgings was part of the team. Um, he's just uh, stepped back just to pursue other projects, mm-hmm. um, but he's an amazing poet as well. So um, I would say definitely check out all three of their work. Awesome. And where can we find you and your work? Uh, yes, yeah, so you can follow me on social media. Um, so on Instagram, I'm at Poetry Machine. Um, on Facebook, it's, well, if you just type in Poetry Machine, I'll mm-hmm. be the first one that comes up. And um, I also have a website which is www.thepoetrymachine.live um, or you can just email me which is beth at thepoetrymachine.live and it'll be great to hear from you amazing thank you i know you've had a busy day thank you so much <laughs> for taking time out to talk to me i really look forward to uh, your collection when it when it surfaces thank you and thanks so much for coming all the way to bristol on a rainy day this episode's recital comes from the very talented beth herself this is a piece she performed for the bbc called witchcraft Amidst the silver clouds and cataracts, I met you. Lady with the loveliest smile I'll ever see. History rippled your cheekbone map from lip to ear. Cauldrons so clear, and you straight up, you are magic. Silence slurped at your cup, a tiny trick that gave you substance. Spellbound, I edged closer. Back then, I was invisible. Too shy to smile without looking for the pieces of pushed luck in my soul's reflection. Too shy to risk cracking my face in case it caved. To me, your laughter lines were loud. Sudden, they drew me in. The purr of your perfume. The sheathed claw of your beauty hinted at a life not read to girls at bedtime. While fairy godmothers were curling hair and popping kettles on, you'd bathed in potions, charmed the sun, swung your hips and hummed the hex of punk. Your smile was the shock of near bad luck turned good. A black cat walking the right way. A magpie joined in the end by the flutter of a friend. That's when you looked straight at me like a glass of cold water. I spilled my thoughts in panic, appalled at my own daring. I told you, I really like your smile. 
And to my surprise, you gave it to me. Really enjoyed travelling up to Bristol to talk to Beth. A massive thank you to Beth for chatting to me. Please do go and check out The Poetry Machine. It sounds like a wonderful, wonderful experience. I'd love to see what Beth could come up with if I sat in front of her with the typewriter. It's, it just sounds like a magical experience, an amazing experience. So do check out The Poetry Machine. Be sure to check our social media. As soon as our collection is ready next year, I'll make sure that's up on our pages too. And you can also find Milk Poetry on social media. A massive thank you as always to you at home for listening. If you've enjoyed the show, please do share it with a friend. You can find us on Instagram at People's Poetry Podcast, over on Twitter at People underscore Poetry. You can find us on Facebook, People's Poetry Podcast, Podcast. I'm on Twitter, JBO, that's JBO Pens Poems. And you can email us if you want to get involved with the show, if you're a poet yourself and you'd like to sit down and chat, or if social media just don't cut the mustard and you want to get in touch, it's People's Poetry Podcast at Hotmail.com. Look forward to seeing you on episode three. Thanks for listening.